Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you've spoken to your people through it down the centuries. We pray that as we gather around it now, that you would speak to us, that you'd give us uh, hearts to be ready for what you want to say and wills to obey. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that you are alive and so is your word. In your name, amen. So thank you so much to the musicians and singers for a wonderful time of worship. I really didn't want it to stop, so uh, thank you. And uh, sorry that the words got a bit muddled once or twice. It's, uh, I'm doing the clicking now, so I realise how difficult it is. Um, and uh, when the young people are doing it at the back, uh, no, we only notice when they got it wrong. But, uh, so now you can notice when I get it wrong. Okay. We're thinking this morning about this call of, uh, of Levi. Just a, a picture there, um, which... Uh, clearly does not represent what happened because nobody was there um, who, who could take a photograph or, uh, or even an artist's impression. But something happens, doesn't it, when uh, Jesus meets Levi and uh, uh, Levi is a tax collector or, or what the boffins seem to suggest, more like a sort of customs officer. So uh, he was on a trade route and uh, as the traders came through, he would sort of... Uh, uh, presumably had some uh, some henchmen, uh, some people around, and uh, he would uh, he would make sure that he got a cut and the people above him got a cut. So uh, uh, he was not a popular man uh, because those who collect customs and taxes and so on never are. Uh, but he would have been a wealthy man, and and all the, the gospels mention this character, Levi, or, or it seems quite possible that as he responds to Jesus, he, he gets a new name as well and becomes Matthew um, and may well have been the one who wrote our first gospel. And I just want to have a think about this little encounter, this little snapshot that we get of uh, Jesus uh, and Levi and, and just to try and sort of think about it and how it might apply to us uh, in our walk with him. We get some little details, but, that they're really, but I think they're really important. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. Perfectly sort of normal. He saw a tax collector. But Jesus sees him. One translation of the Greek apparently is looked attentively at. Have you ever had the experience of being seen? It can be negative, can't it? It sort of crumbs. Someone's noticed me and I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Or uh, I've been clocked. Um, or there's a camera. Sometimes being seen is very negative, but actually being noticed is often and usually very positive. Somebody has noticed me. 
Somebody has taken note of me. Someone has attended to the fact that I am here. Somebody has seen me. As Jesus looks at Levi, it's very much that second sense. Levi is noticed. Levi is seen. Jesus clocks him and says, Levi. And there is this beautiful, beautiful invitation. Follow me. It's even simpler than the invitation he gives to the fishermen. For the fishermen, it's come, follow me. Here, it's just two words. Follow me. No sort of great theological explanation, no sort of uh, set of things that you might have to believe or do or just follow me. And Levi, who is sitting, sitting at his tax booth, sitting at his customs house, Levi gets up. Now, of course, these are simple physical things. He's sitting because he's doing his job, and Jesus says, follow him, so he gets up. But actually, there's more, isn't there? As Levi is sitting, he is doing his job. His job is about sitting, taking money off people. As Jesus says, follow me, he gets up. And, 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 and the, the, the Greek word that is used here is, I'm going to read, even though I don't really understand much Greek, but it's anastas. Anastas. And uh, um, we have a Anastasia, don't we, in our church fellowship, Ephra's daughter, Ephra Antonella's daughter, Anastasia. Do you know what Anastasia means? Do you know what Anastas means? Go on, have a, go on, have a bash. Go on, Philippa. Resurrection. It means resurrection. The Greek word Anastasia means resurrection. So when Levi gets up, Levi is Anastas. Levi is experiencing a resurrection. Something new is happening. Some change is happening. There is new life. There is a beginning. There is a change. Levi got up. Okay, we're still only in this, this first or second verse here. Okay, Levi got up. Left everything. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus has, uh, 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 Jesus has called the, the, the disciples, the first um, fishermen. And uh, you might remember that story about the, uh, the, the miraculous catch of fish. And the boats begin to sink. And, and Peter kneels down and says, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, don't worry. From now on, you're going to be catching people. And they drag their boats to the side, leave everything and follow Jesus. And here is Levi, Anastas, standing up, resurrecting and leaving everything and following Jesus. And do you know what? It's even more radical than the fishermen. 
because the chances are the fishermen's boats are still going to be there tomorrow and the day after. They could go back. Levi's seat probably won't be because somebody else will be sitting in it and somebody else will be taking the money and somebody else will be doing very nicely. Thank you very much. When Levi stands up and leaves everything, he is leaving everything. His job, his income, his position, his securities. He gets up, leaves everything and follows Jesus. Even more radical than the fisherman. That which he has known, he leaves behind. And what happens next? Levi celebrates. Then Levi had a banquet. No, not a banquet. He has a great banquet. He has a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. This is a banquet and a party. He's left everything and he's now going to throw a banquet and a party. And, and, he, and he seems to call all his, his fellow uh, tax collectors and, and others, th those who are a bit sort of uh, dodgy and suspicious and those who aren't terribly popular, but they all come and they're all eating together. And... Uh, there's a sense of joy and delight and wonder. So as Jesus calls him, there's no sort of, yeah, all right, all right. It's this sense of wonderful abandonment. Look, I have started something new and it is so wonderful. I want everybody else to come and enjoy. I want us to feast together. Do you remember in the story of Zacchaeus, which Luke will tell later on in his, uh, in his story, when Jesus sees Zacchaeus, another tax collector, and he's up the tree, he says, come down, I'm going to stay at your house tonight. And, and uh, Zacchaeus comes home, and what does he do? He throws a party, throws a banquet. Do you remember when the lost son comes home in Jesus' parable in chapter 15? What does the father do? There's a ring and a cloak and sandals, and he kills the fattened calf. They have a banquet. They have a party. It's almost an echo or a foretaste of the great banquet that is to come. Where in the book of Revelation, we are told that we are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. The Lamb of God who is, of course, Jesus. And when we are with him in glory, we will be there feasting with him. This party is a glimpse of that party. This party is an expression of the joy when the sinner comes home, when he is accepted, when the sun comes back, when God wraps us in his love and says, welcome home. This is where you belong. And there is joy and delight in this. 
you know, I, I, got, a, I got a little glimpse of this uh, uh, a few years ago. It was when the, the feast was just starting off, the organization that uh, SME uh, helped heads up, and um, uh, there, was a, there was a party down in... Um, down on the end of Solihull Road in, in one of these banqueting houses. And I, I duly went along a bit nervous, you know, with my dog collar on. <laughs> anyway, sat at the table, and they brought an absolutely massive bowl of, of Asian snacks, okay? And a tiny bowl of salad that nobody ate, all right? And, 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 and I ate, you know, I, I, one thing I can do, I can eat, okay? So I, and do you know what happened at the end of that? Go on, guess what they did? They brought another one! That's what it's going to be like. That's what it's going to be like. We have come home. This is where we belong. And there is joy and delight and wonder. And our Father says, this is your home. Elsewhere, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The joy from the Father welcoming us home is matched in the joy of the repentant sinner who finds that they aren't just brought back like a hired hand. They're not sort of told how awful they've been. They are simply wrapped in the forgiving love of God and said, welcome home. It's great to have you. We are going to feast together. Joy in the Father's heart, joy in the heart of the one who responds. Joy, oh, sorry about that. That's a bit distracting, isn't it? Joy in the heart of Jesus as Levi responds. Joy in Levi's heart as he feasts together. And you know, thinking about it, in Scripture, it is not those who respond and leave everything who become sad. They're not the ones moping around, talking about everything they've lost. The sad ones in Scripture are the ones who don't respond and who don't arise and who don't leave here, the Pharisees are complaining. Everyone else is feasting, having a wonderful time. The Pharisees, people like me, by the way, the clergy of the day, they're the ones who are complaining. You remember the story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments, do it. And he says, but there's got to be a bit more. And Jesus says, Jesus looks at him and loves him and says, give away all you've got and come and follow me. He went away sad because he had great wealth. We think of those later in the story who will reject Jesus. Pilate, Judas, the greater the rejection, the greater the sense of sadness, misery, and lost opportunity. There is a cost here. 
Levi leaves everything and follows Jesus. But he doesn't look back and say, look at everything I've lost. He looks at Jesus and he says, look at everything I've gained. I had the privilege of, 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 of uh, visiting India year, years ago before I was at theological college. And it's such an amazing country. And I only saw that much of it. What an amazing place. Met so many amazing people. But one of those that sticks in my mind is of a, as a, as a, as a, a woman who uh, I, I knew a little bit, not, not very well. She had been a Brahmin. And to be honest, I never really got to the bottom of it as to whether she'd become a Christian and that had meant that she'd lost her Brahmin status and sort of gone to the bottom or whether she'd married a Christian who was at the bottom and therefore she'd come to the bottom. But the point is, she had been a Brahmin and now she'd gone to the bottom. I have never met a woman before or since so totally overjoyed by the fact that she had found Christ. Friends, what is it like following him? This little snapshot tells us so much about what it means to be called. Firstly, Jesus sees you. Jesus notices you. Jesus gets you. And sometimes in life it feels like lots of people don't, do they? Lots of people live and work and, and labour well under the radar. Rarely, if ever, getting the credit that they deserve. Either from wider society or for the people who live around them. Jesus sees you. He notices you. He pays attention. And Jesus calls you. Come, follow me. Let's do this together. Let's go on this adventure together. I will lead you. Come, follow me. And yeah, there's things to learn and things to understand and things to work out, but we'll do it on the way. Come, follow me. And there is a cost. There is a cost to that. Just as there was for Levi. Just as there was for the fishermen. Even just as there was for the lepers and the beggars that Jesus ministers to. As he heals them, their lives change. They will have to take some responsibility in a way that they haven't up to then. There is a cost to following Jesus. What will the cost for us be? Well, first and foremost, that will be a conversation between you and the Spirit of God as he guides and leads us to see what that cost will be. And occasionally, we've got blind spots. We can't see what that cost might be, and we need one another to help us see it. 
But actually, I think for most of us, most of the time, we know what the cost will be because we know those parts of our life that aren't as God would want them to be. Those who are struggling with addictions. We know they're not of God. We know that as he calls us to follow him, he wants us to leave those behind. We think about the wrong use of substances. We know that's not of God. Whether it's illicit or legal ones. If we think about the way we treat the people around us. Unkindness or even, heaven forbid, violence towards those we love. In our homes, in our families. We know this is not of God. As we follow him, we leave these things behind. Dishonesty. Misworship. Misworship of people. Whether they're people that we idolize uh, or people who run around and kick footballs in particular colors. Misworship of idols, objects, ideas of success and failure, horoscopes or fortune tellers. Most of us know in our hearts those things that are not of God. And he says, come, follow me, leave those things behind. I'm going to give you an example, okay? Not because this is any more important than anybody else, okay? But I'm going to give you an example, okay? It dawned on me a few years ago that I could well be ordained, work for the Church of England for 40 years, okay? That is perfectly possible, okay? I got ordained at 25. I'll probably retire about 65. I'm 53, okay? So you're all thinking, oh, you've got another 12 years, all right. Okay? It is perfectly possible that I will get to the end of 40 years without any further recognition at all other than just being a vicar, okay? And I get a stipend, which is pay, and I get a house, and they're glorious. Thank you for playing part in that, okay? But I could well get to the end of 40 years and have no further recognition whatsoever, okay? No gongs or titles or anything like that. And I remember saying to Joe, do you mind if we get to 40 years and I've had nothing like that? And Joe looked at me and said, I'd be delighted if you got to 40 years. The point is, and what am I doing it for? Am I doing it for the gongs and the titles? Or am I doing it because Jesus has come along and said, come follow me. Because if I start looking for the gongs and the titles, I miss what he's offering. I miss the fact that he has said, come follow me. I miss the banquet. I miss the fact that this is the joy. The joy of knowing him and following him. And I only say that because maybe that's the case for many of us. We begin to follow and then we start sort of going off on these sidelines and think, well, I'd like a bit of that and I'd like a bit of that. And Jesus says, don't go there. You go up these little side routes and what happens? You get lost. 
follow me. And then you'll find out what joy is all about. Then you get the banquet, now and in eternity. Jesus sees you. Jesus calls you. There is a cost. But man, is it worth paying? An American missionary once said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So friends, this little story of the call of Levi is in so many ways each of our stories. He sees us. He calls us. There is a cost in responding. There is a cost. But there is also celebration. Far, far greater celebration here and now and then far, far, far greater celebration in the heavenly banquet. May God grant that you hear his voice and that you respond to him. Amen. We're going to